So your identity is, simply put, your sense of who you are. Your identity is made up of everything that you identify with. And so we can identify with things out there in the world, like people, and we can also identify with things in here, in our own mind. So one of the biggest things that we identify with out there in the world are our social roles. So social roles are things like being a parent or a partner, an employee, a coach, a volunteer, basically anything that we do to interact with other people on a regular basis is a social role. And so over time, your social roles, they become something that you identify with or social identities. So we say, I am, or we are a parent or a mother, or I am a coach. Like anything that you can start with, I am, or we are, is an identity. It's something that you identify with. So social roles are one of the biggest things that we identify with externally. And one of the biggest things that we identify with internally are our stories. And so stories are just that, like meaning stories that we tell ourselves and others about who we are. If you've ever written a personal statement or just met someone and told them about who you are, that's your story. Okay, so really quick, I want to share, I did a master's in psychology at A&M, and my thesis was focused on identity. And out of the hundreds of thousands of pages I've read on the nature of identity, my favorite summary for what identity is, is that your identity is all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question to Alice in Alice in Wonderland. You remember that? The Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And so just for example, grown-up Alice might say to the Cheshire Cat, Oh, who are we? Well, we're a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. And so each one of those is an I am, each one of those like could be an I am statement. I am a partner. I am a mother. I am a researcher. I am a part-time firefighter. I am a stamp collector. And each one of those being a mother, a researcher and so on is a social role or a social identity. And so then if Alice were to add to that, and so we're originally from the English countryside, and now we live in London, and we're a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stave collector. That's basically a rough draft of Alice's personal story for their identity. So all of those things are a part of Alice's identity. But that's not all of Alice's identity. The rest of Alice's identity is made up of all the other things that we all identify with internally, like our beliefs and our thoughts and our feelings. And we all have a lot of beliefs, everything from politics to religion to our morals. And we also have beliefs about people, our family and friends and who we think they are and what we think they should or shouldn't do. Um, and then we have beliefs about ourselves and our beliefs about ourselves determine our beliefs about everyone and everything else. For example, if we believe that we're good enough or worthy of good things, then we see good things. We draw good things. And when good things appear, we're able to enjoy them. But if we believe that we're not good enough, or not worthy, then even when good things fall in our lap, we don't recognize them as being good things, or we wind up 
making them go away one way or another. We can wind up sabotaging a situation. So what that means is that our beliefs about ourselves determine our relationship with everyone and everything else. And so that means that if we want to change our relationship with anything, we have to change our beliefs about that thing, and we have to change our beliefs about ourselves. And it's a lot harder to change our beliefs about ourselves than our beliefs about a thing. So how do we do that? How do we change our beliefs about ourselves? Another way to think about this question is, how do we develop flexibility in our identity? So if you really want to tackle a belief, especially a core belief, something like I'm not worthy, it's not enough to just go at the belief. You have to address the belief at the level of the identity system. And the best way to do that is by working with our stories. So we work with our stories because ultimately our story includes all the beliefs and thoughts and feelings and social roles. Like everything that we identify with, everything streams together into the story. So if you want to change something that we identify, if we want to change something that we identify with, like our beliefs about ourselves, we do that by developing flexibility in our identity. And the way we do that is by developing flexibility in our story. And before I continue, I feel the need to say that most folks really underestimate themselves and their own potential. But if you're here right now, you're probably looking for something more. You have the sense that there is more waiting for you out there in the world, but also within you. And if you're like most folks, what you're really looking for deep down is to be as big as you really are. And the way to be as big as you really are, no matter who you are or where you're from, begins by developing flexibility in your identity. So identity flexibility, when you boil it all down, is about freedom. With identity flexibility, we're able to choose our beliefs about ourselves, which sets us free to choose who we want to be, which sets us free to be as big as we really are. And for most folks, that's about being way bigger than you even think that you can be because you are. So to help with developing flexibility in y'all's identity, I created a full length exercise that I published a few weeks ago, and there's a link below. And that exercise is designed to bring you all the way to enlightenment, which means that it's designed to maximize your freedom. So when you're ready, you definitely want to check that out. But so you can try it out. I made a super quick summary version of the whole exercise. So grab a pen and paper or your phone or computer, just something to jot a couple of words down with. All right. So go ahead and press pause now and go grab something to take some notes with. Okay, so once you pick the most important person in your life, the nature of the relationship doesn't matter. Just if I say, who's the most important person in your life, who comes to mind and just use them. And if you're not sure who you should pick, like if you're thinking, oh, maybe I should pick this one person because they should be the most important person, but this other person is maybe kind of actually the most important person, pick the most important person. Like that's, if the relationship that you enjoy the most 
that's the one that comes to mind for that. That's the one that you want to use. So once you've selected the most important person in, in your life, we're going to pick a memory for that person. So I'll use Alice as an example. So Alice identified one of their most important relationships, one of their most important social roles as being a mom. So Alice is a 12-year-old who identifies female, and Alice is a favorite memory of their daughter from many years ago. It was just Alice's daughter and Alice on one particular day having the time of their lives outside after the rain, and there was a rainbow. And they all had muck boots on, and they decided to make mud pies. And there was this one moment where Alice's daughter looked over her shoulder at her mother, and Alice will never forget the smile on her daughter's face. And so that's the memory. If Alice really wanted to remember Alice's daughter, that's the memory that Alice would bring to mind. All right, so now it's y'all's turn. So we're going to find a memory for your most important relationship that y'all picked. And it can be a current or a distant memory. And it can be a big deal memory, like a special event. But it can also just be whatever comes to mind, like whatever y'all see most often with them. And then once you have that memory, pick two or three words that describe that memory. It could be more words if you need, no worries. Um, but just something to help you bring that memory to mind. Like, so for example, Alice would pick rainy day to remember their day. All right, so let's pause now and find a memory for the most important relationship that y'all pick. Okay, when you find a memory, pick two or three words to use for describing and recalling it, and then write those down. All right, press pause now and go do that. Okay, so now that y'all have found a memory and picked two or three words for recalling that memory, next we're gonna practice visualizing the memory. And we'll use the two to three word prompt to bring up that memory. So, for example, Alice's prompt was rainy day to bring to mind playing in the mud with their daughter. So Alice would say rainy day to bring up that memory. And then Alice would visualize that memory, thinking about making mud pies with their daughter. And Alice would really focus on that one moment where their daughter looked over their shoulder at her mother and the smile on their daughter's face and the joy that Alice felt. All right, so right now, look at the words that you left to recall a memory for y'all's most important relationship and use those words to bring that memory up. Like, meaning in your mind, go back to that day. So like, where were y'all and where were y'all sitting or how were y'all standing and what were y'all wearing and how did y'all's clothes feel and how did y'all feel and what were the sights and the sounds and the smells of the room? And for anything you don't remember, like if it was a long time ago or if it's just a generalized memory, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is that you're able to come up with enough detail to make it feel real, to really picture the memory, like a movie or a photograph, but you're in it. And so for more generalized memories, like for example, if you're not sure, like, well, what should they be wearing? Just use their favorite PJs or their favorite t-shirt. Like, and ultimately what they're wearing doesn't matter. Again, it's just that you want to make it feel real. So if you're sitting on the couch, you want to be able to feel, you want to kind of try and feel that spot of the groove underneath you on the couch, like in your memory. All right. Okay. So go ahead and hit pause now and take a minute or two to just sit with your memory and just sort of marinate in it. All right. And I'll be here when y'all are ready. Okay, 
So now that y'all have practiced using prompts to recall and really visualize your memory, next we're gonna practice letting go of the memory. And not just letting go of the memory, but letting go of the part of us who is that relationship. So this part is challenging for just about anyone. You're basically gonna play around with the idea that this person is gone and that you're no longer your favorite social identity. This exercise is not easy, but just trust me that if you can be comfortable playing around with the idea that you're no longer some social identity that's really important to you, like being a spouse or being a parent, that is flexibility in your identity. With identity flexibility, we're able to choose our beliefs about ourselves, which sets us free to choose who we want to be, which sets us free to be as big as we really are. And for most folks, that's about being way bigger than we even think we can be. Because you are. So when your mind fights you and says, I want to do this, just say, I know, I know, but it's okay. It's just an exercise. Okay, so for example, Alice would bring up the wonderful memory that they have of making mud pies with their daughter and the smile on their daughter's face and the joy that Alice felt in their heart. And Alice would embrace that memory for just a moment, would let it wash over, and then Alice would let it go, as if Alice had just awoken from a lovely dream. And Alice would then say, I am no longer a mother. And then Alice would feel that loss, and Alice would grieve the loss of their daughter. Because even if it was just a dream, it felt so real. And to grieve here means to really feel the loss, to feel the aching in your chest, the emptiness in the pit of your stomach. It can be helpful to bring to mind someone knocking on the door or a phone call, letting y'all know that these folks, that this person, that they're not coming back, that you're not going to see them again. And just to sit with that, and wrestle with that and the feelings that that brings up. And again, most likely your mind is going to fight. When your mind fights you, just say, I know, I know, it's just an exercise. All right, so we'll do this exercise together and then y'all will do it again on your own. So look now at the two to three word memory prompt for your most important relationship that y'all picked and bring up that memory and bring up that memory in its richest form, meaning with all of its sights and sounds and smells and feelings, and just bring all that up and just marinate in the moment. So take a minute now with me to just sit with that memory. I'm gonna pause for about 15 seconds while you'll take a minute to just sit with that memory. So again, just bring it up in its richest form. And now say, I am or we are no longer a mother, a daughter, a sister, or whatever that significant relationship was. And while the focus seems to be like it's on the loss of them, and it, of course, it is. They're gone. 
but our focus is really on how y'all are no longer a mother, a spouse, a sister, a best friend, or whatever that significant relationship was. So it's not Alice saying, my daughter's not coming home again, but it's Alice saying, my daughter's not coming home again, and sitting and grappling with the, I am no longer a mother. And so that's what y'all want to practice feeling is that you're no longer this significant relationship, this significant social identity. So we'll do this again now on our own, all right? So go ahead and hit pause now and take a minute or two to just wrestle with the idea that you're no longer a mother, a spouse, a sister, a best friend, or whatever that significant social role was. Just allow yourself to have the experience of no longer being a mother, of no longer being a spouse, of no longer being a sister, of no longer being a best friend, or whatever that significant social role was. And allow yourself to grieve the loss of that social identity, which is your most important social identity. All right, I'll be here when y'all are ready. All right, so that is a super quick version of the extended exercise for developing identity flexibility. This exercise is not easy, but if you can do it, it will help to create flexibility in your identity. And with identity flexibility, we're able to choose our beliefs about ourselves, which sets us free to choose who we want to be, which sets us free to be as big as we really are. And for most folks, that's about being way bigger than we even think we can be because you are. So this week we walked through an exercise for creating flexibility in your identity. It's a very powerful exercise and you may find yourself overwhelmed by it. If that's the case, just remind yourself that it's just an exercise and head into it anyway. Because I know this exercise is not easy, but just trust me that when you can be comfortable playing around with the idea that you're no longer some social identity that's really important to you, like being a spouse or being a parent, that is flexibility in your identity. And with identity flexibility, we're able to choose our beliefs about ourselves, which sets us free to choose who we want to be, which sets us free to be as big as we really are. And for most folks, that's about being way bigger than we even think we can be, because you are. All right, and that was what I wanted to share today. If you enjoyed this, please hit like so that because it, it makes it easier for others to find it. And please leave a comment. If you give the exercise a whirl, I would be so very grateful for any feedback. You can leave feedback in the comments below, or you can email me at Kate at katetbenson.com. If y'all are curious about me, you can learn more and sign up for my newsletter at katetbenson, kate-t-benson.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at katetbenson and subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much for your time. I see you. I appreciate you. Until next time. Namaste.